Hello, I'm Leslie Garfield Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact, podcast for learning the law. Today we are talking Article 2. First, a few disclaimers. Disclaimer 1. This is just an overview. You are always responsible for understanding the case law that supports any rule of law. Disclaimer number two. Always remember you take the professor, not the course. So if by some chance you are listening to this and I'm not your professor, keep in mind that I may emphasize and even include or not include areas of the law that are different from your professor. Let's talk about UCC damages. The UCC provides a catalog of damages in the event of the breach on the part of either the buyer or the seller. These damages are expectation damages, as they are designed to put the non-breaching party in as good a position as if the contract had been completed. Before we discuss damages, there are a few things you must keep in mind. First, never get to damages until there has been a breach in the contract. Second, there are no punitive damages in contract law. So while the code says that damages must be liberally administered to the end that the aggrieved party may be put in as good a position as if the other party had fully performed, neither consequential or special damages or penal damages may be had except as specifically provided in the UCC or by other rules of law. So there again, there are no punitive damages in contract law. The code provides a catalog for both buyer's remedies and seller's remedies. These are basically default formulas that courts can apply. But the code also allows parties to contractually agree to damages. In other words, parties can agree to include in the contract itself applicable damages in the event of a breach. A contract clause that provides for the damages a party will be assessed in the event of a breach is called a liquidated damages clause. The code has its own clause dealing with liquidated damages, which is 2718. UCC 27181 provides that damages for breach by either party may be liquidated in the agreement, but only to the amount which is reasonable in light of the actual or anticipated harm. This means that the parties are free to set forth a number that, at the time of contracting, they believe will be reasonable compensation in the event of a breach. But keep in mind, if the liquidated damages clause is unreasonably large in light of the harm caused, it will be considered a penalty. And since there are no punitive damages in contracts, the liquidated damages clause will be declared void and the court will insert a reasonable remedy. 27182 is what we call a statutory liquidated damages clause and is applicable in the instance where the buyer has paid the seller some or all of the contract price, but breaches or refuses to take acceptance of the conforming goods. 27182 is a small mathematical assessment that allows a seller to retain some of the buyer's down payment in the event of a buyer breach. Think about it. The goal of remedies in contract law is to make both parties whole in light of the breach. Consider this problem. Apples R Us agrees to sell Stop and Shop $1,000 worth of apples, and Apples R Us requests a $250 down payment. After Apples R Us receives the down payment, Stop and Shop cancels. Technically, Apples R Us should send Stop and Shop its down payment back, since Apples R Us now has the $1,000 worth of apples in its inventory. But 27182 says that Apples R Us deserves something for its aggravation. Apples R Us is entitled to keep an amount the parties may have previously agreed to, 
and if no amount is agreed to, then Apples R Us may, according to Section 7182, keep either $500 or 20% of the total contract price, whichever is less. In this case, 20% of the total contract price, the price is $1,000 for the contract, is $200. So Apples R Us can keep $200 and return $50 to Stop and Shop. Now let's turn to the remedies available to either party in the event of a breach. First, let's look at 2703, Seller's Remedies. These are the remedies available to the seller if the buyer fails to perform its obligation under the contract. According to 2703, where the buyer wrongfully rejects or revokes acceptance of goods, or fails to make payment due on or before delivery, or repudiates with respect to a part or the whole, then with respect to any goods directly affected, and if the breach is of the whole contract, then also with respect to the whole undelivered balance, the aggrieved seller may a. withhold delivery of such goods, b. stop delivery by any bailee as hereafter provided, c. proceed under the next section with respect to goods still unidentified to the contract, d. resell and recover damages, e recover damages for non-acceptance, or F. Let's look at these one at a time. In every instance, I'm going to use my favorite hypothetical. Stop and Shop agrees to buy $1,000 worth of red apples from Apples R Us, and Stop and Shop, the buyer, breaches. Keep in mind as we work through these that they are not mutually exclusive. The seller has the option of taking whatever action under the code available to make it whole. Also, in every instance, the seller is entitled to incidental damages, damages that are incidental to the breach, things like storing the goods that the buyer refused to accept. But a seller is never entitled to consequential damages. Let's work through 2703. A. The seller may withhold delivery of such goods. This means that if Apples R Us learns that Stop and Shop will breach, it won't pay, it won't accept delivery, before Apples R Us ships, Apples R Us may elect not to ship the goods. B. Apples R Us may stop delivery by any bailee. If the goods are in transit and the seller learns that the buyer will not be able to pay for the goods, the seller may call the delivery company and order them not to deliver the goods. C. Proceed under the next section respecting goods still unidentified to the contract. Section C provides for one situation where Apples R Us has not yet selected the exact apples it will ship to Stop and Shop. Therefore, the apples are not yet identified to the contract and therefore not yet covered by the code. According to C, Apples R Us can identify the apples, then can either resell them under D or recover for non-acceptance. In either case, the code provides formulas for each of these. Let's look at these formulas. Section D of 2703 references 2706, which is the formula for resellering and recovering damages. If the seller resells the goods, then the buyer owes the seller the difference between the resale price and the contract price, plus incidental damages, less expenses saved. So if Apples RS is able to sell the apples to ShopRite Supermarket instead of Shop and Shop for $800, then Stop and Shop will owe Apples R Us $200, which is the difference between the contract price, $1,000, and the resale price, $800. Keep in mind that the seller must act in good faith and in a commercially reasonable manner. And you can refer to the code comments for the specifics of this. 
This is to prevent the seller from squeezing, for lack of a better word, excess damages from the buyer. If the seller sells the apples to his brother-in-law for $150, then the breaching buyer, Stop and Shop, would be responsible for owing ARU, Apples R Us, $850, an unreasonably high price if the seller could have sold the apples for much less. Again, remember, this is all about fairness, not punishment. Section E provides for damages in the event that the seller cannot resell the goods. And when I say cannot resell the goods, I have to put a quotation around inability to resell the goods. End of quotation. <laughs> Let me explain. Section E references 2708 and 2709 for purposes of goods that cannot be resold. Under 2709, the seller may sue the buyer for the price of the goods that the buyer did not accept. Section 27081, the measure of damages for non-acceptance or repudiation by the buyer, is the difference between the market price at the time and place for tender and the unpaid contract price, together with any incidental damages but less expenses saved. 27082 is a bit trickier. 27082 contemplates the lost volume seller, the seller who would have made two sales had the first buyer not breached. Consider the Gap, the store that sells jeans. Abby buys a pair of jeans for $40 from the Gap. Abby returns the pants to the Gap for no valid reason, thereby breaching the contract. Beth now buys the same pair of pants. The Gap has now made one sale. And keep in mind, if Abby had paid the Gap for the breach, she would not have to pay any money to the Gap since the Gap made its money from the resale to Beth. Resale is contract price $40 minus resale price $40 is zero. But the code recognizes that that's unfair since the gap, which has unlimited inventory, would have made two sales if Abby, buyer one, had not breached. And so in the case where the seller would have made two sales in the event one buyer had not breached, the code treats the seller as if it hadn't made the sale at all. And damages are awarded under 2708, seller's damages for non-acceptance. We call the seller with unlimited inventory, the one who could have made two sales if the first seller had not breached, a lost volume seller. The formula for lost volume seller is found in 27082 and provides, if the measure of damages provided in Section 1 is inadequate to put the seller in as good a position as performance would have done, then the measure of damages is profit, including reasonable overhead, which the seller would have made from full performance by the buyer, together with incidental damages, less expenses saved. Now keep in mind that with all these formulas, the seller is also entitled to incidental damages. Incidental damages are reasonable expenses incurred as a result of the breach and include things like transporting and carrying goods, keeping them until they can be resold, and the like. The code does not allow for consequential damages for sellers. Okay, so that's seller's remedies, remedies available to the seller when the buyer breaches. Let's talk now about buyer's remedies. The catalog of buyer's remedies is found in Section 2711 of the Code. 2711 provides for buyer's remedies in the event of a seller's breach. Under 2711, if the seller breaches, either by delivering non-conforming goods or failing to deliver the goods or failing to meet some other obligation of performance, the buyer may A, cover, or B, recover damages for non-performance. And in the appropriate case, the buyer may also A, recover the goods, or B, sue for specific performance. 
The first formula dealing with buyer's damages is cover. Cover is the instance where a seller breaches and a buyer must go out and buy the goods elsewhere. Let's go back to our apples hypo. Let's say that Apples R Us is about to sell $1,000 worth of apples to Stop and Shop. Stop and Shop needs the apples because they already promised to sell those apples to Baker, who had placed a special order with Stop and Shop. If Apples R Us fails to deliver the apples, then Stop and Shop does not have the apples available to honor its contract with Baker. So Stop and Shop must go out into the marketplace and cover, get apples to cover for the loss, so that they aren't in turn in breach with Baker. Now remember, the contract between Apples R Us and Stop and Shop was for $1,000. But at that late date of the breach, Stop and Shop can only find apples for $1,200. The formula for cover is found in 2712 and is the difference between the cost of cover and the contract price, together with any incidental and consequential damages, less expenses saved. So here, Apples R Us will owe Stop and Shop $200. This way, Stop and Shop is made whole for the purchase of the same amount of apples. And this is the first time we are seeing consequential damages in the expectation formulas. Buyers are entitled to consequential damages when a seller breaches. The other formula contemplated in the code for the instance where the seller breaches is where the seller breaches but the buyer does not cover. And that's found in 2713, Buyer's Damages for Non-Delivery or Repudiation. Section 1 of 2713 provides that subject to the provisions of this article with respect to proof of market price, the measure of damages for non-delivery or repudiation by the seller is the difference between the market price at the time when the buyer learned of the breach and the contract price, together with any incidental and consequential damages, but less expenses saved. And market price is to be determined as of the place of tender or in the case of rejection after arrival or revocation of acceptance at the place of arrival. An issue arises when the seller would make more money by choosing to breach and pay damages. Courts are reluctant to reward the seller for such a situation. And so in certain instances, they may award the buyer damages under 2713 rather than 2712 cover. Let's go back to the apples. Let's say that Apples R Us was going to sell 1,000 apples for $1,000 to Stop and Shop. On the day the delivery was due, 1,000 apples were selling for $3,000 in the market. So Apples R Us said they would breach, resell for $3,000, make the $3,000 for the apple sale, and just pay the $1,000 in damages, giving them a windfall of $1,000. Well, the code wants to discourage this practice. And so in some instances the code will actually award the damages under 2713 or 2712, whichever is more fair, regardless of the buyer's response to the seller's breach. The code also contemplates the situation where there is a breach of warranty, and this is provided in 2714. It's the type of situation where the seller buys a good, and it's got certain expectations or promises, and those promises are not met. In that instance, the calculation is the difference between the good as warranted and the good as delivered. So if a buyer buys a toaster from Sears for $40 and the toaster blows up and is unusable, then the calculation for damages under 2714 is the difference between the value of the goods as warranted, $40, and the goods received, here, zero. 
and so the buyer gets $40. What if the buyer buys an above-ground swimming pool that was supposed to be 6 feet deep for $4,000, and the pool delivered is only 5 feet 10 inches? Then the measure of damages may be the difference between the goods as warranted, $4,000, and the goods as received, maybe $3,500. So the seller would owe the buyer in that instance $500. One last thing. For purposes of buyer's remedies, the code allows for both incidental and consequential damages for buyers. Consequential damages are damages that are a consequence of the breach, like property or personal damage. Sellers can limit incidental and consequential damage awards, but keep in mind that limitations for consequential damages for personal injury are per se unconstitutional. On an exam, keep in mind that you never address damages until you first show that there has been a breach. Without a breach, there's no need to move to damages. Also on an exam, check the terms of the contract. If the parties agreed to a damages clause prior to signing or in signing the contract, then you first have to see if that damages clause, a liquidated damages clause, is reasonable and is not a penalty. If it's reasonable, it applies. If not, go to the damages formulas. Okay, so there you go. UCC damages. I hope this was helpful. And thank you to www.bensound.com for supplying the music. We'll see you next time on Law to Facts.